Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Freddie Sayers, and this is Unheard. Back in March, everyone's world suddenly changed. From this evening, I must give the British people a very simple instruction. You must stay at home. So on day one of lockdown, we launched Lockdown TV, a place where we could gather experts, scientists, writers, politicians, thinkers, to try to help us understand what was going on in this strange moment and what kind of world we were going to get at the end of it. And now, due to popular demand, here we are in podcast form. Welcome to Lockdown TV. So here at Lockdown TV, we like to cover all the latest trends in technology and society. And one of those is something called OnlyFans. It is a platform for pornographers or people who are producing intimate content to get their own subscribers and uh, make money from it. One of their top producers um, is someone called Ayala. Like, I do not judge at all people who want to be monogamous or are horrified by OnlyFans like they could never do it. Like, of course, you could never do it. It makes sense. Like, your brain is very different from mine. If my brain were structured like yours, I could not do it either. She joined us from Washington on the west coast of the U.S. to tell us all about it. <laughs> Hi, I'm happy to be here. Where are you now? Uh, Washington, 0% state income tax, which is important if you're doing OnlyFans. Right. Okay. So, presume that we know nothing and presume that either I'm a, an alien from another planet or I have been asleep for the past five years. What is OnlyFans? Um, it's basically like a sexy Patreon. Uh, so it's a website where you can subscribe to somebody's profile for a certain amount of money per month. And then once you can unlock their profile, you get to see things that they post to their feed. And you can also direct message them and you can exchange media through the direct messages. This is basically all of it. So basically, if I'm, a, if I'm a customer, I sign up to the Ayala feed and I get sort of, it's a bit like following you on Instagram, except I can only see it if I'm paying for it. Right. Yeah. Bit like a locked Instagram. And crucially, what do I see? Well, most people post very naughty photos of themselves. Some people don't. Some people post, you know, like workout exercises or whatever, or, or there's celebrities or something. Um, but it's commonly used for pornography. So, so like independent, self-created pornography. Is that normally people on their own or is that couples? Or do you, have, do you know about what the other kind of contributors post? So I, I have some stats on it based on a survey that I did then is about 375 um, respondents. So it's not like fully representative, take it with a grain of salt. Um, but yeah, um, most people do it on their own. And what do you do? I do it mostly on my own. I occasionally do it with another person or two. Um, I have like one boy and then like two women who also I work with sometimes. And what are we talking here, if you don't mind me asking? Is this kind of soft porn where you're just sort of naked and posing for photographs, talking to camera, or is it actual pornography? Yeah, so I personally do actual pornography um, on my feed. So if you subscribe on the feed, you can see basically nudes. I have like tiers of um, like value shots in some way. Uh, so like tier one is clothes, tier two is nude, tier three is like you can see some labia. Uh, tier four is it's spread labia and tier five involves any sort of like action with that, you know, the spread, whatever. Um, so I do all of it um, all the way up. But if you want to see all of it, you typically have to pay more than just the entry fee. 
give me a give me a sense of what I would need to pay. So what what I mean, are we talking single dollars or is it much more expensive than that? Right. So my entry fee is twenty three dollars a month. Um, and then if you want to see a boy girl porno porno a classic um, video, then that's usually the going price is eighty dollars. Um, although sometimes I do discounts occasionally, but they're quite limited. So is that a one off? Or is that $80 a month for kind of regular scenes? No, that's per video after the entry fee, right? So, so girls price very differently. Um, I like, I, I prefer having fewer people see my stuff. So I price it higher, even though probably I could sell it easily for lower, obviously. But so there's a wide, very wide variance. Some girls will have a very high entry fee and then they post full porn straight to their feed with no further unlock. Um, other girls have an extremely low entry fee and have extremely high uh, priced videos once you get in. So I think our viewers should understand that this is a lucrative business. Uh, I, you, you posted one point that you made $14,000 in the month of April. Is that right? Have you? Uh... Yeah, that was my first month. Wow. <laughs> the so what? Um, my highest earning month was $103,000. $103,000. Is that, was that especially mm -hmm. good because people were in lockdown and not leaving the house, do you think? Or would you just summer? Or what's the explanation? I had a couple viral things I posted that did really well. Um, also, I was working extremely hard. Uh, I haven't made as much since then because I, I moved and I did other projects and I've lost a little bit of focus. So I'm not spending as many hours working on it before. Um, but that month, like it was the perfect storm and I was just focused on it exclusively. Um, and it really paid off. Um, but the, the earnings is, are pretty uh, divided. Um, most people on OnlyFans earn like below $1,000 a month. So you would be in the top, what, 0.1%, 0.01% of contributors? When I was making $100,000, I was 0.03%. Now I'm 0.08%. You actually posted a, a chart recently, which was interesting, which showed the, uh, the kind of L curve of, of contributors. Yeah. And you're very much in that first high peak. Yeah, definitely. How did you get into this? I mean, how, I, I think it's also important to mention that you also have a Twitter profile. Um, and I don't know if you consider that a completely separate universe, but you have, I think, 65,000 followers. And what you're posting on Twitter is nothing like what you're posting on, on OnlyFans. It's kind of intellectual, I would say, rationalist, um, uh, content. So I have another Twitter profile, which is per porn, and that has um, more followers than my, my normal one, despite it being a lot newer. Um, but I got into this, I was originally a fundamentalist Christian who was homeschooled and isolated from the outside world. It was like a pretty strict, like cult-like environment. Um, and I was expected to grow up and become a housewife and have kids and like education was like, you go to college to find a man. It was like really explicitly told to us um, that we do, you don't have a future outside family. Um, and so after I like left home, you know, I couldn't afford college because my parents made too much money for me to get loans, but they wouldn't give me any help. Um, so I didn't go to college. I was working at a factory for like 50 hours a week yeah, with no windows and it was horrible. Um, and eventually I was like, what, I don't have any options really. Like, what do I want to do with my life? I, I don't want to work for minimum wage. Um, so I tried doing some self-employment stuff, uh, but then I eventually found uh, camming, which is similar to OnlyFans, but live. So you, it's kind of like this, like I'm like, hi guys. And then you can type in like a little chat um, and then you get tipped. Uh, so I did that for five years. And that was when I built up my Twitter, which is the Twitter that you're referring to today. And then after I quit camming, um, I quit sex work entirely for a couple of years to go into crypto. Um, then I converted that Twitter to like my mainstream, like safe for work Twitter. Uh, so that actually used to be my original porn Twitter way back in the day. And if you scroll back far enough, it gets a little bit embarrassing. When I first started developing an audience for like my initial porn career, um, I realized that you can ask them questions and they'll answer you. So I started doing surveys and then I started getting a whole bunch of data. And then I was like, how do I process this data? And then I had to learn some basic statistics to turn it. And so now I've just kind of do that. I, I grow my audience sort of like for the purpose of getting better sample sizes. But it only really works for men. And because you post a lot of uh, polls on, on Twitter as well. I mean, I think a lot of people watching, at least those people who don't know you, will be kind of surprised by the disconnect between clearly you're a highly intelligent uh, eloquent person uh, who is doing statistical analysis of uh, polls in order to extend the audience. Meanwhile, you're being a successful, can I say, porn star? I mean, you're a 
you're a sex worker. Should, should we be surprised by that? How, do you find that a weird combination? Of the, like, the category of people who become sex workers, I'm going to horribly oversimplify, but sort of the impression I've gotten um, also from asking a lot of people um, is that some people go into sex work because they already are on the outskirts of society in some other ways. So they failed to like integrate uh, or and they like really don't have a lot to lose socially. Like they're already on the bottom tier. Um, it's like what how far it down is there to fall? Uh, like they don't they don't have like a college job that they got to to lose. And then another part are people who sort of um, sort of realize that this is actually like the best way to earn money for the least amount of work um, and are like doing it a little bit more strategically. And so I think I'm a little bit more on the strategic form, although I did get into it like through survival sex work originally. A surprisingly high amount of women in the rationality community have tried sex work. Like a really surprising amount. I think it just sort of happens if you are like have the kind of like overly analytical, like high decoupling mind um, and you're in a community that isn't going to judge you. I think it just like it makes sense. Like, wouldn't you do it if you had boobs? Well, maybe I could do it without boobs. I mean, are there any men on OnlyFans? That's true. Uh, you could try. Some people do. I know one guy, he does. He gets other girls and films porn with them and puts them on his OnlyFans and then gives them a cut. Stuff like that. But usually they're not quite as successful. It's like more than 99% female. Probably. Yeah. I have to rewind a little bit on something you just said, which is that you grew up in a fundamentalist Christian or a seriously Christian household. So... That I think people listening would have that would have sort of stood out to people because if I was going to be an armchair psychologist, which might sound annoying, but it, I would, might say, well, it's understandable that she has rebelled against such a kind of conservative upbringing, and in some way you are rebelling against that. Is there any truth in that? I mean, it's a really valid question. I can absolutely see how this seems like like a natural following. Um, I. I it might be true for some people. I don't think it's true for me. I'll always like sometimes, you know, hidden motivations. Um, but I, for a couple of years after I left home and was like in my rebellious phase, I was still trying really hard to do like the right thing in regards to like, you know, a normal job. Um, so like the timeline doesn't quite add up. Um, I, I think more likely I just sort of like have the, the brain that sort of doesn't take it internally. Like when I was growing up, we were, um, my dad's a professional Christian evangelist and debater. So he would go around, we would travel to churches and he would like have public debates with people like atheists or whatever. And he got like hate mail and a lot of threats and stuff. And so it was very, I had this feeling of like being me against the world. Like the world will always sort of hate you. It was like just the way that it was when I grew up. So I think I'm just extremely used to that. Like, oh, just everybody, someone out there, a lot of people out there are going to think like I suck. That's just inevitable. Um, so I think like that was more of a co contributor. So, so you're saying I was, like, uh, instead of it being a rebellion against, it was weirdly almost a training. Yeah. From being in a kind of right. alienated or at least a, a, a part of society that a lot of people don't understand. Yeah, I think so. I think it prepared me to, to do this thing. Like, it's kind of ironic, like after working in sex work and I've known a lot of other girls, like they tend to struggle with much more shame than I do. They're like, how am I going to find a man? Like, oh man, society hates me. And I think it came from like, from feeling, from never feeling like they had to handle like this division, this, this distance from society's collective thought before. Um, so, <laughs> so I think I have less shame about it. Well, what about your inner life during that period? You know, do, were, were you, were you a believing Christian? Did you pray? Yeah. yeah. I was very Christian. Um, and when that broke, I mean, how, how does your kind of inner life compare to the, the person you were back then? I mean, do you, is it that you've kind of abandoned that kind of moral framework and think it was, it was just wrongheaded? Or do you, have you developed a new one or how, how have you changed? Yeah, that's a really complicated question. So I, I was a devout believer. Um, I, I wasn't like pretending at any point and leaving the faith was extremely difficult because it was everything I had known. It was the, the way I understood how reality worked and morality and culture, like and my plan for my life. And it was really terrifying. So it took me like several years to sort of like structure 
my frame of things. I no longer adhere to morality in the sense that I do. I don't think I reject Christianity in the sense like I hate it or think it's bad, although I do think it has a lot of really damaging aspects. Um, but I, th I can see why people are Christian. Like, like I hold some sort of respect for it still. Um, like it is fulfilling a very valuable purpose and I can see how it is like keeps a society structured very well. Um, and today I find that it's not very inclusive of minds like mine and the morality that I hold, I would say I'm more of a moral nihilist in that I still act morally, but I don't hold any sort of deeper moral framework. Like I still, from the outside, it appears as though I have a moral framework, but I, I don't feel it inside really. And, and it feels a lot more freeing for me. What does that mean then? I, mean, I guess there's, there's two, maybe two parts to that. One would be the kind of Christian idea that like sex is sacred, should be kind of part of a loving union and all of that, um, which clearly you, you, you don't feel anymore. I mean, let's deal with that one no. first. I mean, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, you, it makes sense. Like, if you if you really build something up, it's going to be more special. And like, maybe like the sex that Christians have on their wedding night is just mind blowing. Uh, but maybe that's great. If you like that, go for it. Um, a lot of people don't view sex like that. And I think that's also fine. Do you view sex like that in a relationship context, though, as opposed to this is just content you're producing, maybe, you know, you don't feel it, but... Yeah, the, the, the sexual interactions I have for work are, feel extremely different from the sexual interactions I have, like, for my city life. It, it's, like, hard to describe. It's very strange, but, like, the context is so different. It's like, I, I once dated a guy who was... I mean, everybody knows what I do before I get in a relationship with them, but I was dating a guy who was having a little bit of jealousy about it, you know, and at some point, like it was a month or two went by and then he just wasn't having issues anymore. I was like, what's going on? And he said, oh, I can just see how much it's a different thing for you. Like how differently you treat it. And now I realize it's not actually like a threat to me at all. Like you're, you're doing a different thing. In other words, there's still a sort of sacred space between you and him. And this OnlyFans stuff is outside it or that you just fundamentally don't equate sex with sacredness. Well, I, the word sacred, I'm not... I like the word, but maybe not for this. It's more like the person who I am who has sex on a personal level is different from the person I am who produces sex on a business level. Those are like two different people. Could you see yourself giving it up for the right person? No. I, the right person would not make me have to give it up. Well, they might not make, make you, but you might want to, to give it up. Well, I'm polyamorous, so like, like very deeply poly. Um, so I would... I wouldn't want to. I mean, I, I occasionally behave kind of monogamously naturally in relationships, but but this is work. This isn't like another relationship. I would never give up my work, my job, my income for a man. I mean, maybe if he paid for my whole life, yeah, then sure. But like, I would give up any job for that. I'm just going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. And you can tell me if I've gone too far, because I think if older people, for example, were listening to this, well, first of all, they might be shocked. Um, but also, if they weren't shocked, they might think, this person seems like a nice person, and I'm sure she'll get over it. You know, they'll, they might think, well, you know, this sounds great now, she's young and beautiful, and she's, you know, having all these relationships and, and doing so well on OnlyFans. Fast forward 10 or 20 years, and, you know, she'll discover the importance of a kind of committed relationship and companionship and all of that. Do people say annoying stuff like that to you? And, and, and what, would, what do you say back to them if they do? Yeah, they do. And I mean, maybe they're right. Maybe in 10 years, I'll be in a different phase of my life. Um, I could never see myself not being polyamorous, but I could see myself maybe wanting to switch to a different job or like focus more specifically on one relationship. There are so many long-term married for 20 years poly people that are like have kids, you know? So I, I, this is not like committed family settled down is not outside the realm. Like, yeah, sure, that might happen. Um, so I think the thing that bothers me often are when people fail to model how different brains can be and like how different like actual visceral preferences could be. Um, like I do not judge at all people who want to be monogamous or are horrified by OnlyFans like they could never do it. Like, of course you could never do it. It makes sense. Like your brain is very different from mine. If my brain were structured like yours, I could not do it either. It's just like the, the way that I process incentives is different. And so like the thing that I want is like a little bit more wiggle room and space, like acknowledgement that like 
I might not be lying to myself about whether or not I'm like dying inside. Like it's possible, it's possible for a human to be constructed such that they aren't actually dying inside when they do something like this. So do you think you, you, you talk a lot about the brain and humans being constructed. Do you actually think it's like a physiognomical difference or like there's something about the way you're built that is different? Or do you think it's that the way you've, the combination of the experiences you've been through and the way you've been brought up has led to you to a place where you feel like this? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's the million dollar question, right? I, I think most likely it's both. Most likely it's in a unique combination of both. I think that my brain is actually different. I've noticed this ever since I was a kid. Like I was different from other kids in like just like the ways I process things. Um, and like my parents can confirm this. Uh, so there's something going on just in that. And also the way I was raised was super weird. So who who knows? I said there were two bits of the, when you were talking about kind of morals, the other bit of morality away from all of this stuff about whether sex should be sacred is other people and whether this harms other people in any way. Um, you know, you, you, you posted that amazing chart showing how 99 point something percent of contributors on OnlyFans basically make nothing or make tiny amounts from OnlyFans. Is there an argument to say, okay, it's worked out for you, you're, you know, a strong person and you're, you've been incredibly successful with it, but it is kind of setting an example or it's encouraging thousands and thousands of other people to go down this path who may be less well suited to it um, and who end up, you know, feeling shitty about it and not making any money anyway. Yeah, I think that this is definitely possible. Um, I think that a lot of girls are in that exact boat right now. Like, it's very popular. They've never done sex work before. It seems to be kind of normalized. And they're like, well, I'll give it a try. They set up an account. They can't get anybody to subscribe to them. And then they give up. This is, I think this is like most of the the lower range of girls who are working. Yeah, this is very valid. Um, I think that also we have to be careful not to like apply our standards to individuals, making it the best decision for them themselves. A lot of people are poorer than you might think. And to them, even being on the flat end is still a life-changing amount of money. And it could be that they don't have any other options. And so like, while I'm sympathetic to like, as a whole, this might be sort of a, a encouraging phenomenon for people who aren't doing what might be in their best interest, I still tend to try to stay on the side of people know what's best for them individually. And like, it's not our right to tell someone that, no, they, they shouldn't be doing this, this hurts them. Is the, you know, this is not your problem because you're not the owner of OnlyFans, you're now just a, a, a participant in it, but does the existence of it make the world a better place or a less good place, do you think? Better than the world was before, yes. So, I mean, just in regards to people who are doing sex work, OnlyFans takes 20% as opposed to 50% or more, which was the industry standard before OnlyFans, which is a massive change. And I think part of the success one, it, it removes um, like in industry power away and it's more individualized and atomized, which is also super important. Like basically for like the performer side, this is immensely better than anything that existed. It's been a massive improvement. That logic is basically that if it's going to happen anyway, better that it happens in a kind of safe way where the performers or can control their own environment. Right. Absolutely. Like porn's, going to occur. And the best way to allow porn to occur is to let like, women do it themselves. Don't go work for an agency. Like, Don't get hired by a big company that takes most of the money. Like, Let it be independently controlled. At least have that option. If a girl wants to go to an agency, she can. In your feed or in your performance, do you have boundaries? I mean, are there things that you won't do? Anal. It hurts. Don't like things up my butt. Um, I don't like having one-on-one -on -one video calls with people very much. I mean, some people are fine, but like as a whole, I don't want to open it up. I like doing things where I feel like I can go into the mind of the person watching me and it feels like, oh yes, this, this is an arousing or a desirable thing. Sometimes when people request fetish stuff, I have a more difficult time like going into the mind. Like somebody wants me to roll socks off my feet very, very slowly and then put my foot in like a pile of jam or I don't, it could be like little stuff like that and I'm fine doing it I have no shame no judgment um but I it's hard for me to like inhabit the mind of somebody who's really aroused by that and so like it's it's difficult for me to do it in a way that like feels satisfying that is really interesting so you you, you you're sort of imagining what it feels like from their perspective because 
up until now, the way you've talked about it has been this quite sort of rational performance that you don't really care about or that it, you know, it doesn't emotionally invest with you. But if, if you're kind of thinking about what it feels like from the person at the other end of the camera, that suggests some element of a connection or that it is in some way a meaningful activity for you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I have, it's compartmentalized for me. Um, so like, I'm, this is another way my brain is different, even from a very early age, like I have very different, like, modes of being depending on the environment. Um, so there's no bleed over to my personal life. But the, the part of me that does engage with it feels pretty genuine, like I do actually care for these people. And it, I can't really work, it's not motivating if I don't feel like there's some sort of feedback loop, like I can feel the way that they like it. Also, it's just good for figuring out what to do. Like, like it helps me think about the business and how to like make the business better and how to earn more income is by like understanding really deeply what people want to see. Do you think of them as your fans? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. As, as the title would suggest, or are they customers? Are they friends in any way? I mean, have you struck up any relationships with people who follow you? H how close have you got to them? It really varies. I have a lot of subscribers, and most of them are how, sort of... How many do you have? I don't really know. Okay. I, I have, I think, 2,900 right now. Okay. Uh, but there are people who are very regular, and some of who have followed me for years. And I feel like I know them. Um, and I might not always be like the best at connecting with them, but I, I do feel a lot of empathy for them. And I like, I really like seeing them. Would you meet up with them in real life? Yeah, probably in the right circumstance. I, I have before in like when I go to conventions um, and then I'll be like an open, like you can come say hi to me or something. Would you, but what if one of them wanted an IRL and in real life experience, would you say yes to it? If they paid for it, yeah. This, this isn't a thing where it's like you crossing the bat. Like I wouldn't, that's a, a thing where you have to like keep in the compartmental thing. Right. So that would be a, a, a boundary or, or has that happened? Yeah. Years ago, we did, my friend and I did a raffle and somebody won and it wasn't sexual. Though I have escorted in the past, so I'm not like against that. Um, but in regards to the online stuff, I don't really, it's like complicated. But um, yes, I did. I have meet up, met up with a cam fan um Oh, no, a couple times, actually. It's been years, sorry. Uh, but yeah, and we didn't do anything sexual, but it was really nice. But so now, if the, a customer says, I would like to have sex, you would have a price for that? Yeah. It's very high. Right. <laughs> I would say, yeah. So does that, I mean, is there dangerous aspects of that? Are you worried for, like, 
your personal safety? Do, do any of these fans become stalkers? You know, you, are you putting yourself in a vulnerable position by doing this? Since I've started OnlyFans, I have not met up with anybody from the thing because OnlyFans is very strict about like talking about meeting up. So I just don't, I don't really try it. Plus I make so much from OnlyFans anyway. It's like, it's not really a good business idea. I have had some people turn stalkers. I have one crazy person who sent me like, I think almost a thousand emails in 2020. He sends me multiple a day, like very long. And he, it's, it's a, a pretty upsetting. Um, but most people don't turn into stalkers. At one point you said um, that you don't like OnlyFans culture. What is that? What, is, what did you mean by that? So I've had run into trouble with other OnlyFans girls. A lot of trouble. Um, because they, I tweet controversial things and that has gotten me kicked out of some OnlyFans support groups. Which, is, which makes me mad. <laughs> uh, so I made my own um, better support group. But yeah, there's there's very they're very like social justice, very leftist overall. I think also another thing you said is that it can be anxious making, or you kind of can be stressful to produce all this content. Yeah, absolutely. So especially like if you're trying to maintain a certain income. So I guess that's you know is this is this a way to liberate, or is this a way to you know, is there any sense in which you're now kind of just got a, a different kind of master, which is this audience and they need, the beast needs serving the whole time? I mean, do you feel like... Yes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I wonder. Um, I mean, do you find it liberating it, it, or do you find it more liberating or anxious making on that spectrum? It's more liberating because uh, like before, uh, uh, someone else was the one in control, like like a person. And, and here... It's so like decentralized, you know, my, I have a decentralized master. And if I don't like the thing that they're asking me to do, I can just change my brand and my niche and who I'm marketing to, and then I get a different set. So yeah, it is stressful and it's definitely not perfect, but the, the sense of control that I feel over it sort of makes it all a lot more tolerable. I know that OkCupid has kicked you out. Um, you put that on Twitter recently, that this is a agency or a website that you've used to you know, meet real life people and have real life relationships and they've kicked you off. Why have they kicked you off and, and how does that make you feel? It's not uncommon. Uh, like maybe it's not because I'm a sex worker, maybe it's because of something else random, but like maybe it is because I'm a sex worker and th that does tend to happen to us. So yeah, it's kind of sucks. Um, I've gotten kicked off of Tinder and PayPal as well. So do you feel like, is that a discrimination situation? You feel like that shouldn't be allowed? Um, or do you understand why they've kicked you off? I mean, they're private businesses, so I'm like I'm very hesitant to say they shouldn't be allowed to remove anybody they want for any reason. Um, I am okay like socially shaming them publicly for doing so, but I would be very careful to say like to actually enact force against this company. Um, I I think that like they're trying to satisfy a user base who are very anti-sex work, which is probably why they're doing. It. I'm just like deeply disappointed because it it didn't used to be like that that website. And do you feel that same sort of discrimination or sense of like disapproval in your regular life? I mean, do you, do you ever find that people, you know, I don't know, who are serving you coffee know that this is what you do and they make comments about it? Or do you feel entirely, you know, protected and embraced by your real life society? Ironically, the least protected and embraced I feel are in YouTube comments. So I'm like a little, <laughs> I'm like ready for it. Um, no, my, my, my society is pretty good. Um, I'm in a very, like a bubble of people similar to me who are, I would say, I want to say like leftist socially, um, maybe not tend to be like a little bit more like libertarian, great tribe, rationalist type. Um, and they tend to be extremely accepting of sex work. Like I mentioned, a lot of girls in this tribe, uh, have done sex work. Uh, so I feel like totally fine with it. I'm like super open. And if somebody is really upset by it, they usually end up not getting close to me in the first place. And I'm not, people don't really recognize me when I go out for coffee. Not that I have recently. Are the friends of yours doing similar thing? Is it like a little OnlyFans bubble going around Washington? <laughs> well, there is also an OnlyFans bubble. So, uh, some of the people, the women in my communities are also doing OnlyFans. Um, but no, a lot of them aren't. Like a lot of them are just, like the rationalist community, or some are like meditation or circling, or uh, a lot of people um, 
maybe are against sex work in theory, but if you're actually talking to a sex worker who seems like a human, like suddenly you become a lot more tolerant because that's just what we do. Like when we meet someone in front of you who is something that you dislike, you like you, you feel compelled to treat them socially well. So you mentioned politics. I've got to follow up on that. We often have political conversations on this channel. So you would consider yourself kind of socially extremely progressive whilst in other respects, extremely libertarian, is that? Conservative, which I think is what libertarian means. Yeah, I'm pretty libertarian, yeah. So who, do you, who would you vote for? Uh, I actually didn't, didn't vote, but... But generally, have you, have, have you voted Republican or Democrat in your life? So, so I was, this is going to be, a, I'm like a little embarrassed to tell this story, but I wanted to, I was seriously considering renouncing my citizenship of the U.S. for quite some time. And I read somewhere that if you are not registered to vote, then this makes it less likely that they're going to come after you. Um, so I never registered to vote because I was thinking about renouncing my citizenship. So where would, if you renounce your citizenship, where would you want to be a citizen of? Yeah, that's the question. I don't know. Portugal, maybe? Portugal? Seems to be the, why, the hot why, place. Why Portugal? <laughs> they, uh, you know, legal drugs and I don't know. Like, I, I never actually, like, moved forward with the plan, but I was, like, just held off on it just in case because it seemed like something you couldn't undo. So you want to be in a place that is as kind of progressive as possible where no one is judging anyone for anything. Um, does the is am I is that right? I mean, do you, is this the dream society? If we have, uh, you know, Ayala's dream society, is that what it looks like? Is it is it? Would you say it's an individualistic society? Is it a, or is it just a kind of free place where anything goes? That's such a big question. It's a massive question. I like, I want to say like sure, like freedom, you know, no judgment. I I understand that there's like problems like you could easily think of some scenarios like oh what about this scenario would you like want freedom then right and so i know it's a gray area i'm not saying that like there's a clear like yes no i think that my society would have the gray area moved over a bit like i don't want the gray area where it is now i want the gray area like more in the direction of freedom you know but like is it not true that this is the freest we've ever been i mean in history you know, it's, 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 we're more Ayala-ish than we've ever been as a species, like... Um, Sorry, we're more what than we are? I'm saying Ayala-ish. I'm making an adjective oh, out of your uh, right. name. I mean, it's yeah. judgment, at least in, in America, is compared to the 80s or the 70s or the 50s or before. Um, you know, people aren't judged like they used to be. Everyone can, seems to be able to decide their own morals. Oh, are you talking about, like, socially free or, like or governmentally free well, because it seems like we've had greater government freedoms in the past like centuries ago maybe millennia socially i would certainly say that's true um gov tell me about being governmentally free what does that really mean well i'm just imagining i'm just imagining there's been lots of times in the past where it seems like people sort of lived in very rural areas where the government in oversight was kind of minimal you can kind of do whatever you want wild west type deal. Not that this is all of history, obviously, but it seems like there are more people living farther away from other people. And that seems just sort of directly tied to being a little bit more independent from the government. Um, I think we are probably more socially free today in the sense that there's more like the internet has done a lot for that ideological communal, whatever. Um, and besides, before things tended to be much more conservative in the sense of like sexuality was much more regulated because we didn't have birth control. So that makes sense. All of that movement that you've talked about, a lot of people are really worried about it. A lot of people think this has gone too far and they want to, society to go in the other direction. Like, for example, they're worried that, you know, pe people have become so kind of isolated and on their own. They don't have structures and communities and families that are embracing them. And nowadays it feels like you're just sort of churned out and given the huge internet and told to go and make your own mind up about what matters. And a lot of people, for a lot of people, that's, it's hard. It's too much. They, they, they end up lost and, and isolated and alienated and sad. Yeah, that seems absolutely true. Um, I think the answer to this, it's impossible to go back. Like You can't undo the internet. I think that like we definitely need to figure out a way to include what we already have and to like, sort of like modify it into a new thing. Like, I don't think going back is the answer, but I do agree that 
there are significant problems with where we are now. And I understand, I sympathize with the desire to like have the old thing again. I just think we need to have the old thing, but like we have to figure out a new way to have the old thing. A lot of people in my circles are talking about like, how do we build communes? You know, how do we form a community? How do we, how do we solve the same exact problem? So what about the porn industry, for example? That's been in the news. Um, there was this New York Times thing about Pornhub having all sorts of horrible scenes on it with young um, underage people and violent scenes and the rest of it. Would you be in favor of kind of policing that better? That's also a pretty vague question. Yes and no. Um, I do not understand the exact failure that Pornhub actually did. I, it might have been bad. Um, it's possible that there's a little bit of moralistic hype around it. I, I don't know the facts. Um, so it, like the policing, like it, it very much depends. I think overall things tend to be a little bit over-policed, but including so you think that even the porn industry is over-policed now? Isn't there a law now in California that you have to wear condoms in porn scenes? You know, it's like it's like porn performers are the most STD-free group of people because they get tested like twice a week. Like they, it's just it's still like a moralistic thing, right? Like they're not introducing condoms because they're actually concerned about the performers. Or it, it's like just that's oversight, like too much. I would say. What about violence? So what are, about violent scenes? What about them? Should they be allowed? If the uh, performers are consenting, why why wouldn't they? Well, I think there's a there's a question about that consent, isn't there? If you you talked about the long tail of performers who are actually there out of desperation, if they're performing a violent scene, um, you know, at some point maybe we need to say that's that's not something we should just accept. So your the worry then is that somebody wants money and there's somebody's like, hey, you can make money if you go let yourself get beat up by this person. And so we consider them like not able to make a full choice and then we say, that's bad. Is that what your argument is? I think the argument would be that if we reach the point where the only way a person can make money is to go and get beaten up in a porn scene, we have failed as a society and that's not good enough. Um, and that we shouldn't just sort of shrug our shoulders and say, hey, that was their choice. I think that would be people's objection. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's a reasonable objection. I think that it's kind of unlikely. Like most people who get into porn for the first time aren't doing porn beat up scenes, I think. Like there's still some flexibility and choice in it. Like if you, if I'm like, hey, I don't have any money, I want to get into porn. There's a pretty wide variety of ways I can do it. OnlyFans reduces the need for you to go to a place where they're going to tell you to do a get beat up scene. This is one of the reasons why it's I so guess, good. I guess, do you worry about the kind of long term impact on the performers? Like they might, they might have thought it was okay when they were 17 or 18 and they started doing it, but it's there to haunt them for the rest of their life. Are you worried about that? I have a suspicion that people are more educated about their own risk than we are. So like, for example, I worked with this one cam girl for a while and she was really worried about doing it because she's like, am I going to lose, like, are people not going to want to marry me later? Um, and she came from a society that she'd already picked up that messaging. So she knew that was a risk. Whereas I hadn't, I, in my culture, people were marrying sex workers all the time. Um, so I think that like, even at 17 and 18, cause we were pretty young at the time, um, maybe not that young, but pretty close. Like she had already known that this is going to be a risk to some degree. And it's possible that she didn't like fully estimate that risk. And that like, but I, I also think that more people are willing to marry sex workers than a lot of people think. Like a third of the sex workers in my uh, survey were married. It's, it's not that hard to find. So what about the guys? I mean, what, what effect does all of this have on guys, do you think? I mean, every 12-year-old, 13-year-old now probably finds a way to see hardcore pornography. Do you think we're, through all of this liberation, we're kind of giving birth to a fucked up generation of men who only think sex should be in this kind of porny way and, you know, don't respect women properly and all of those things? Are you worried about what kind of men we're going to end up with. So my intuition on this, I could be wrong, is that in independent girl stuff is 
better than the industry stuff because a lot of what you see from OnlyFans or cam girls is not the same kind of like odd position, like dick pounding, you know, like crazy moaning, like that sort of stereotype, right? There's much, you see that much less with the girl stuff and this amateur stuff. And I think that this sort of reflects what men want to some degree. I'm not speaking for all men and I, I don't fully know the impact that it's having on them. So if this is a valid concern, I would be interested in maybe studies to see because like it could go either way. But I do want to say that one of the things that surprised me the most in my sex work career is how much men don't seem to want the, the pound, pound, fake moan, but rather intimacy. Like they're not here really looking for sex alone. They're here looking for a woman who loves them. And and that feels like built in to the way that I've experienced men in sex work. So like when people are like, well, is it just going to give men like a false idea of sex? Like to some extent, maybe, but also it, like, it's not good. I don't think it's going to change that core drive that's always going to be there. So why are all these porn companies producing, as you call it, the pound pound porn if it's not what people want? Have they just made a kind of massive market research error and actually um, they should be producing kind of sensitive, uh, loving <laughs> porn. Is, is that what's going on? Well, I don't know about sensitive, loving porn. So one thing is when it's produced by a giant market company, it's extremely difficult to introduce any sort of intimacy with it because like the woman is not in control of it. And it's very obvious to the person who's watching that the woman is not the one who made the porn. So like already there, you've like cut off the, 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 the men who might want to see something like that. I, you're right that this is like a good, this is a point of evidence against my theory. Uh, it could be, um, if I were going to like keep arguing my theory here, it would be something like um, that it might be actually a marketing error. Like I see this done a lot with girls themselves. So like a girl will start doing camming or doing OnlyFans and then she'll just be doing like just pure sex because like the narrative around men is that they, that they just want sex. And so if you're producing sex, you're like, why would I, why would I produce any sort of, intimacy like why would i actually like develop a relationship with these people because the stereotype is men want sex which i think existed well before pornography and so they just do that and it sells well obviously and and beforehand we didn't really have a way of pulling in the intimacy to it because we're doing it with studios now we do have the way of pulling intimacy with his only fans and camming and we are seeing a very strong success of girls who build intimate relationships with their their men such as yourself yep and if you look at any of the top performers, uh, besides celebrities, celebrities are sort of a different breed. If you're famous, you can just make money for being famous. Um, but if you like go to a cam site and you look at the top rated girl and watch her interact, like there's more than just sex going on. And it's, it's quite obvious. So would you even argue that you're trying to kind of make that situation better by producing yeah. content that is less just sort of emotionless and empty? Right. Maybe well, maybe your gonna... fans will, will will end up as more rounded uh, men. That's that's the goal. Um, I, I, if I'm in a devil's advocate against my position now, it could it could be that we're just hurting worse, right? Like like if the porn is fake, you know, and the intimacy is is like unconditional. Like one aspect of the intimacy is that you don't you're not honest about the negative things that you feel. If they do something you don't like, you don't tell them. You're like, wow, that's great. And I think that might be actually also damaging for the men um, because they're experiencing relationships where there's no difficult feedback. And that is something I'm a little bit worried about. I, I don't have enough information to know if it is going to be long-term harmful, or maybe this is the boost they need. Like maybe men need to have a, an accepting relationship with a sex worker first to give them the confidence to actually move on. If you're the girlfriend or wife of one of your fans, it might be one thing if they're just watching kind of empty pornography, but if they've got this kind of semi-intimate relationship with you, that's kind of moving into their space in some way. I mean, if you were, if you were going out with someone who was obsessed with you, as it were, would you feel jealous of it? I don't think so, but I'm poly, so I'm not like the, the right person to ask. Like, I'm used to dating men who have relationships with other women, and then like I hang out with the other woman. Like, it's just... It's just the way that it's, it's fine for me. Um, I, a lot of men, it's like I'm going to talk about a smaller demographic here. There's a lot of men who are older, who've been married for like 20, 30 years, who have a relationship with their wife and their wife does not have sex with them anymore. And they want to like have a sexual experience with another person um, because like 
I knew one person who got diagnosed with cancer and he's like, shit, I'm going to die. I don't want to die without ever having sex again. So I'm going to go see a sex worker. Like this is, you know, an extreme. Um, and, and they don't just want to have like crazy faceless sex, like porn sex. Like it just does not arouse them. Like they want to have like some knowledge of the person. And so they'll develop a little bit of a relationship and get to know them and then have sex and it's more satisfying for them that way. Or like, you know, bisexual services, watch porn and they like it. But I don't think, I think that is still compartmentalized for them. Not all, obviously I'm, I'm talking in generalities, um, but I think even for them, it is compartmentalized. They just, they do it enough to, for it to be part of like the, the, the sex bag, right? You have to be a person. They want to have sex with a person, not like a figure. I want to, to, to zoom back to young Ayala. Um, what would that 14-year-old girl think of you now? Oh, she would be horrified. <laughs> She'd be like, she, you're going to hell? Oh my God, you, you stopped believing in Jesus and other people see your body? I, I would have been, been absolutely mortified because I was so sexually conservative. Nobody else had ever seen me naked since I was like two years old. I didn't even know I had a vagina until I was 11. Like I didn't even, my parents weren't planning on telling me what sex was until I was 16. So like I, I hadn't watched any, any mainstream movies where there had been any sex scene at all. We had like a thing on the TV that removed sex scenes. I would have been, I would have had like a mental breakdown. And what about your parents? Are you in touch with them? <laughs> um, a little bit. Yeah. But they know what I do because some kind folks decided to leak my porn to my parents. My mom's like handles it. She just pretends I don't. Well, I think if they watch this video, at least, um, this is something you could send them because uh, you have just come across as very <laughs> eloquent. And I think, um, you know, you've, you've made some really interesting points. I think our, our audience will be, at the very least, fascinated by what you've had to say. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm a little scared of your audience, not going to lie. Yeah, well, please, audience. Uh, be nice and don't attack her in the comments because we're just going to delete them if they get too mean anyway, which I'm sure they wouldn't. Ayala, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for the questions. I like that you, I felt like you asked harder questions, like sort of like pushier questions and I don't usually get that. <laughs> That's cool. That was Ayala joining from the West Coast of America, a number one or a top 0. I think it was 0.3% uh, OnlyFans contributor who made $103,000 in the month of July from doing this. So uh, that was absolutely fascinating. Thanks to her. Hope you found it interesting. Don't forget you can watch all of our podcast interviews on our YouTube channel. Find us under Unheard and make sure to subscribe for all the latest. Thanks for joining. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing I love that Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.